January 13, 2023. We're in Masechet Betza, Andaf Bet Bet, which is four lines from the top. If you recall, briefly in context, what the Gemara had established was that the Mishnah, which, our, which recorded in our Masechet, Masechet Betza, the Mahlokit between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel, Bet Shammai being the lenient opinion and Bet Hillel being the stringent opinion, is upheld by Rav Nachman and even interpreted. The interpretation to our Mishnah is it's a mahluk about the halachot with regards to mukseh and nolad. Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel disagree one with the other about whether on Yom Tob, if there's the birth of that, uh, of that egg to a tanagolet, ta'omedet legadil betzim, it's a, um, a, a chicken which is purposed to give birth to eggs. And as a result, the egg which emerges on Yom Tob is not something that your mind could or would have been on. You hadn't seen it before the holiday. In such a circumstance, Bet Hillel say, there's a halakha called mukseh, midrabbanan, rabbinically speaking, it's forbidden to involve yourself, to eat from that uh, egg. Bet Shammai disagreed in the interpretation of the Gemara's because Bet Shammai's opinion is like Rabbi Shimon, they maintain his opinion and take it perhaps even further with regards to mukseh and even nolad, something that you couldn't see at the entrance of Yom Tov being permitted. Bet Hillel disagreed, Bet Hillel maintained the, ironically, the hardline opinion over here. They're the ones who think that there is an issue of mukseh and nolad on Yom Tov. The Gemara challenged that from Masechet Shabbat where Rav Nachman established the opinions of Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel in the opposite direction, the way we're more familiar with. Bet Hillel, Hillel were the uh, lenient opinions. Bet Shammai were the stringent opinions with regards to the laws of Shabbat. The Gemara explained that though. The Gemara said that it's because he found, Rav Nachman did, evidence in the context of Shabbat that were more lenient with regards to the laws of Mukseh and he found evidence with regards to the laws of Yom Tov that were more stringent. That was the statement of the Gemara. What was his evidence? The fact that you have a Mishnah in Masechet Beitza, which is Setam. It's an anonymous Mishnah. We go, Halacha, Masechet Shaban, Daf Memvav says, we're posek Halacha like Stam Mishnah. If there's no name recorded in the Mishnah, that's the normative practice. And we found that in Masechet Beitza to be a stringent opinion. It must be that Bet Hillel are the stringent ones. That's who we follow, after all. In Masechet Shabbat, in contrast, we have a Stam Mishnah, which is Halakha Maaseh, that Mukseh on Shabbat is permitted. Again, this type of Mukseh, as a result, Rav Nachman maintained that Bet Hillel must be the ones who are lenient over there. Now, very briefly, what we mentioned at the end of class yesterday, that's what we got up to yesterday. What we mentioned at the end of class is, well, it's still just, it's a little unsettling. Why should it be so? Although you have evidence, you could bring the evidence and I still don't understand what's taking place. More lenient on Shabbat than on Yom Tov? I understand why you're skewing or changing the opinion of Bet Hillel from what it was presented at in Masechet Shabbat as being the stringent opinion and uh, suggesting that it's the lenient opinion Rav Nachman because you have evidence that we're more lenient on Shabbat. Why should we be more lenient on Shabbat? Says the Gemara over here again, four lines from the top. Who's the, uh, the author? Who's the uh, person who put together the Mishnayot and in turn gave us that practice with regards to Shabbat that you should be lenient on this sort of mukseh, again, nolad and mukseh, something which wasn't uh, relevant to your mind and, and to your mindset entering Shabbat. Rabbi, we have this tradition that the editor, the redactor of the Mishnayot as we have it, 
was a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. We refer to him, generally speaking, just as Rabbi. Well, it's one person who edited the Mishnayot of Masechet Shabbat and Masechet Betzah, and by extension, all the Mishnayot. Why was it then? My shena b'Shabbat desatam lan kir b'Shimon, my shena b'Yom Tov desatam lan kir b'Yehuda. What is the logic? Again, now you could strip away all the details at this point, and you could just ask the question as it's presented without any of those specifics. Why could or should we be more lenient, as you're suggesting we should, Rav Nachman, with regards to Shabbat as opposed to Yom Tov? Again, we generally speaking assume the opposite. The Torah seems to lead us in the opposite direction. The Torah permits, again, ochel nefesh, preparation of food on Yom Tov, in a way that it doesn't on Shabbat which parenthetically should be noted, many people, less so today, but many people are familiar with the fact that on Shabbat, as opposed to on Yom Tov, we have an Isur, which is operative called Hotza'ah, for example. The fact that you could carry on Yom Tov and not on, on Shabbat, something certainly I grew up with, assuming the Torah told us you're allowed to carry on Yom Tov and you're not allowed to carry on Shabbat when there's no Eruv. Uh, why, is that, uh, why is that the reality? The truth is, and we'll see this later in our Masechet, that's a derivative of this single law. This law of that which you're preparing for food extends beyond food. It extends into anything that's relevant to the holiday. And as a result, the carrying which purposed by the Torah was if it's going to get you food, you can carry. It's also, the rabbis, Betileo, ironically, will tell us, you extend it as well to matters which are sorech yom tov. But ultimately speaking, what that all tells us, yes, Jeff? An important question. Buying is only an isumid not only, but it's asumid rabbanan, mekahumimkad. So it's a, it's, it's a separate prohibition of Shemei Yichto. I mean, we'll deal with that actually in our Masechet. It's not one of these Isurim Min Torah, which we understand, Beti Leil explains to us, are permitted on Yom Tov for anything that's Sorech Yom Tov. It'll have a separate prohibition, just like you know many other things. But that being the case, says the Gemara, again, if anything, the logic should be the opposite. We're being more stringent on Yom Tov, which is the day, the days on which we know we're more lenient than on Shabbat, the day on which we're more stringent in general, says the Gemara, I'll explain to you why it went like this. Amre, uh, the strength uh, is in, indeed the weakness of Shabbat, and the weakness of Yom Tov is indeed its strength uh, to a certain extent. Shabbat dehamira v'la'atele zilzuleba satamlan kirbishimon demekal. Yom Tov de kil ve'atele zilzulebe satamlan kirbihuda de mahmir. I think Gemara suggests and makes clear for us, it goes like this. The mindset of a person, in fact, entering into Shabbat is this is a day which has more severity, which is more hamur. There's nothing that's permitted like it is on Yom Tov. As a result, mukseh, which is what we've been talking about, which is rabbinic in nature, looking to safeguard the nature of the day, looking to enhance and help us in the sanctity of the day, uh, they found it on Yom Tov, where a person's mindset entering into the day is less stringent, they felt they needed to tighten ends up a little bit. They needed to build a little bit more structure to counterbalance, let's say, right? Whereas on Shabbat, where the mindset of a person entering the day already is one of stringency, it's hamur already, it was unnecessary to this extent to add this halakha, suggests Rav Nachman, or suggests the Gemara for Rav, Rav Nachman of Mukseh and Nolad. Yes? Why would the rabbis make food Mukseh? What, what's wrong with an egg? It wasn't prepared before the holiday. 
That's right, but the food was prepared beforehand. It's not per se an issue of the cooking. It's an issue of the mindset of a person entering into the day. Have you gotten all of your affairs settled before this day began? If you haven't, and this thing came along, we think that's inappropriate with regards to the sanctity of the day. I, you know, when, when you go to... I haven't done it, but if you visit a, an important dignitary of some sort, you have to have all your papers in order, and you want to have your clothing and shoes shined and clothing dusted off before you go and, uh, and pressed properly. You can't be doing that as you're entering in or as you're in front of them. You're fixing up your clothing and putting together your papers. You messed up everything in that circumstance. We're interested and we're purposed that you be like that. Now, does that mean per se that if the egg is born on the day, that's going to be inappropriate? Not per se, but it means it's a shifted mind. It means that we, as a result, are nervous, or the hachamim were, uh, that a person's mindset entering into Yom, to, uh, entering into Yom Tov will be a light mindset. As a result, there are oser, even this mukse, and certainly the nolad. Whereas on Shabbat, what's that? Why are we going to be lenient on Yom Tov? As opposed to on Shabbat? Maybe they'll tell, maybe, yeah, not so hard over there. They're not counterbalancing. They're, I mean, they're, if you ask me, they're the easier opinion. They're following uh, you know, uh, what's it? Uh, the Gezerah is going to be uh, mirroring the effect of the Torah. So they're only going further. They're not counterbalancing. They're rather saying, oh, this is the nature of the day. Let's continue with the yeah. Right. Now, is it considered or not? No, absolutely not. 100% permitted. Yes. If the wall fell down before Yom Tov. No, no, if it's on Yom Tov, that's the Muqseh situation we're talking about. If it fell before Yom Tov, there's no question. Oh, you want to know the halakha on Shabbat? In other words, according to Berthelet? asking generally about the The wall just works as follows. When you look at the wall, not Nolad, Muqseh, because it's there. Nolad would be it fell out of the heavens. Right? Oh, so you're not expecting it to, just uh, per se. But, but it, because the wall was not, it goes like this. When I turn to you, Ben Hashem Ashot, at the entrance to the holiday, the entrance to Shabbat, and I point to that wall and I say, what's that wall for? He said, that wall protects me. That, wall's on, uh, that wall uh, keeps people out of my house. So that's right. Your mindset is not one in which you say, I'll use that wall for firewood. And as a result, that wall is mukseh to be used for anything other than just the protection of your house. So that's mukseh. Mukseh means the purpose of it transformed to a certain extent. The same thing with, same thing with the nevela. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be, the, the item is in existence. Its purpose is now transformed. The nevela for the kelavim was the same idea. The animal was alive at Ben Hashem Ashot. It died on the day. You never thought entering the day, I'm going to use old Betsy to give to my uh, bingo, the dog. So at this point in the Gemara, there's no changing of status. There's no changing of status. Something comes to Shabbat, I mean, Yes, yes. All right, says the Gemara, Bemai Ukimta, what did you now then, according to this analysis, establish? Not this Mishnah. He created. He, those Mishnayot. The, the two Mishnayot. No, no, but it says. The two Mishnayot without an author's name are Rabbi Udahanasi making a bold stance with regards to establishing halakha. That's right. 
Rabbi Udahanasi had the power and the authority, again, we assume and know based on his tradition, but in turn, to establish for future generations who we follow and maintain by so doing. I mean, he had an amazing way of doing that, right? If he wanted or knew, based on his tradition, this is what we should be following, he wouldn't record another opinion. Make it Setam Mishnah, and as a result, you open up. But I know another opinion. It's in the Biraita, Setam Mishnah. You know Halakha is like that. That's right, just like Lehavdil, if Shohan Aruch, you open to Shohan Aruch and you look in his Beit Yosef, he says there are four opinions about this. You open up to Shohan Aruch, again, Beit Yosef is his background, his details of the halachot, where he derives them. Some say he says Haram Bam says this, and Rif says that, and Rosh says otherwise. You open up to Shohan Aruch and he just says it's mutar. But I know there's two other opinions. That's the halacha, that's like a stam mishnah to a certain extent. That's right, that's what Abihu Dahanasi did. To the extent that, and I remind this from time to time, that as well, it's a mistake that we were taught from a young age, when you have a mahluk between Bili Ezer and Hachamim. So as a child, until uh, my 20s, I always imagined, it's Bili Ezer and he's sitting in a room and everybody's yelling at him, he's like, oh, absolutely not. No, no, not at all. And Rabbi Hoshua versus Hachamim, he's screaming, and it's majority ruling. What's he thinking? He's really going up, and that's not what it means. It's a mahlub between Rabbi Yehazah and Rabbi Hoshua. They're always disagreeing. Rabbi Hudah Nasi, the, order, the editors of the Mishnah together with him said, the halakha over here is like Rabbi Yehazah. So it's like Rabbi Yehazah. So we're going to say Rabbi Hoshua against Hachamim. We turn to the other opinion into the majority, because we know majority rules. It was one versus one. In order to make clear to you, but we follow that other opinion. I will leave out that name and call it Hachamin because we know majority rules. Yeah, that's that's right. That's the authority of the Mishnayot. That's it. That's a, it's a it's it's a great job to have. That's a, a lot of responsibility. Though. It's either a reset or another way of describing it. A more traditional way of describing it is it's it's a collection. It's a final collection. Uh, you're envisioning it as something new. Alternatively, it might be this is where we're at. And so as a result, I'm recording it as where we're at. And, uh, you know, our disagreements can go forward, but this is where we settled everything moving forward. It says the Gemara, Bemai Ukimta, Lokim, even in Hebrew today, Lehakim, uh, or in the biblical Hebrew, means to establish. What did you establish our Mishnah's background? What's the context, the case of our Mishnah? You told us it's That's, That was clear. The Mishnah I made clear was talking about a situation where the chicken was purposed to give birth to eggs. It wasn't purposed to be eaten from. If it was purposed to be eaten from, we said we understand the opinion and only the opinion of no mukse, that's not mukse. You entered into the day, you can't, Rabbi, what's this uh, chicken you have in your bag? Oh, I'm, we're going to eat that one on Yom Tov. Are you going to eat that on Yom Tov? That's right. And then there's a birth of eggs on Yom Tov. They're also permitted. It's what the words of the Gemara on, uh, on Amudalif, Uchladi Ifrat. It's what came out of it. If it was a Tarnegolet Ha'omedet La'achila, we cannot and will not understand at this point a stringent opinion. Uh, that's what you had it for. Of course, it's prepared for usage and consumption, anything and everything connected to it. So what you you told me instead was it's omedet legadil besim. The only purpose of this chicken is in order to bring forth eggs. Umushu mukse, and as a result, you determined uh, mukse maybe is a, is a looser term than we maybe could uh, sharpen it. And because of nolad and mukse, that's the dispute in our mishnah. If that's the case, I have just a, a, a basic question. I mean, ultimately speaking, uh, just very briefly reviewing, our Mishnah is talking about a case where the chicken, entering into the day, 
purpose and what it's supposed to do is give birth to eggs and now you come to the day and gave birth to an egg and so you can knock on my door hey rabbi we have this chicken in our backyard and it gave birth to an egg can we eat from the egg I'm sorry, not a, what's your purpose with this chicken? The purpose of the chicken is um, in order to give birth to eggs. Not only can you not give birth to the, eat the egg, you can't eat the chicken. I think Nathan, someone was asking this yesterday, you can't eat the chicken either. The chicken's full-fledged, Muxi. It's, it's all made it like a, no. That, then it's all made the achila. So that being the case, our Mishnah could have, and maybe should have, the Gemara suggests, Written for us, if it's Besa Shinodabiom Tob, Habetsa, Vehatanegolet Asurim Bachila. Instead, the Mishnah just says for us that the Betsa, the egg, is, is, is uh, prohibited. Should have been a lot clearer. What's that? Right now, we're going that the purpose of the chicken, that's what we're told, is for the egg. That being the case, they should both be Asur. That's right. They are both Asur. What? Mukseh. Mukseh. The egg was inside of the chicken entering the day. You're not thinking about it. You can't see it. It's, it's even further removed, the fact that you can't see it. So why? But the chicken, by extension, of course the chicken's are sore. So, Ihache says the Gemara ademiflege, the word in Aramaic, peleg. Pela midgimal, you have that by peleg haminha, you have pelukta, it means to split. Once they're disagreeing, they split on the matter of the, the status of the egg, why didn't they instead or in addition make clear that they're disagreeing on the Tarnegolet? Answers the Gemara, I'll tell you why. Because we want to highlight, we want to showcase the lenient opinion in our Mishnah. And the lenient opinion extends even to the egg, to tell you, in such a circumstance, entering into the day, it's the night before the holiday, I can look at the chicken. The chicken's in existence. It's just mukseh. Its purpose is not to be eaten from. That's why you can't eat it during the day. But furthermore, there's the egg that's going to come out of it. That's what's called nolad. What we made clear, you can't see it. What we made clear in our Gemara earlier is that maybe you can say, Mukseh, the wall which fell down, Jesse, the Tarnegolet itself, I didn't have my intention to eat from it or to use that wall or to use the meat of the animal which died on the day, but ultimately speaking, it was in existence. Nolad, it wasn't even there. It was so far removed. Maybe Mukseh is Mutar. Nolad, it's never gonna be Mutar. You can't see it, you're gonna say that? The out of sight is the, ch- is, the, is, the ch- is the is the is the changing point. That's the point. That's the big point here. So says the Gemara. Uh, the reason we specifically talked about eggs is to tell you, according to Bet Shammai, even the egg is mutar. Even nolad, even the item you couldn't see entering into the day is permitted. I understand, but you. The, that was a hidush. The Gemara said, "Salka da'atach amina man de'share be'mukze asar be'nolad." 
Ultimately speaking, the fact that you can't see it makes it more stringent. The Hidush over here is that even Nolad, according to Ben Shammai, is permitted. Says the Gemara, all right, but go the other way. Instead, he could have just talked about the chicken and showcased the opinion of Beit Hillel. Beit Hillel would be telling you even the chicken, when the purpose, the mindset of the chicken was in order to bring forth eggs, it's certainly Mukseh. Even that's Asur, answers the Gemara, the Chitema, Kohad, Koach, Dehetera, Adiv. So first the Gemara says, maybe the answer goes like this. It's because we want to showcase specifically the opinion, which is Koach, Dehetera. Koach, Dehetera, the word Heter, of course, Mutar means permissibility. And the suggestion is that maybe we'd rather, the Mishnah would, talk specifically about the eggs in order to make clear to you, Beit Shammai are willing to even push the envelope and suggest that nolad is mutar and to use the strength of leniency is oftentimes, the Gemara says, adif. There's something greater about that. What does it mean it's greater? It means, as Rashi points out, the ability of a person who determines halakha to set forth a lenient opinion takes more strength than to set forth a stringent opinion. When a person's uncertain about the law, uh, the halakha is asur. That's what we say. Safik could and should be asur. If you're uncertain, what gave you the authority to be permitting? If a person uh, of stature, of authority, is permitting, that shows a certain knowledge. If there's a dispute on a matter and someone's able to be lenient, it shows, or it doesn't mean that the opinion who's being osir is wrong, it doesn't mean they don't have the knowledge, but the fact that they're able to defend an opinion, lehetera, that's a significant point because it means there's a certainty over there. It means they've looked into the matter, whereas the other opinion who's saying asur may have, may have not, because to say asur is the appropriate response when you're uncertain about it. That's how Rashi explains. Where's the reasoning that it's okay? I understand you're saying you're very good at the the answer, is, the answer is, it's Beit Shammai, first and foremost, so we're going to assume they had it, right? Um, it's not me. Don't, 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 don't get nervous over here. This is not my koach de hetera. Yeah. No, no, no. He, okay. Uh, is that, in other words, uh, understood, because he's saying, but that defies the logic of Muqsin. No, no, because even though I can't see it, because it's meant to do that, and it's going to happen, I extend my no We'll already assume that it's a, uh, it's a question of conscious and subconscious. Whereas for Betilel, it needs to be consciously uh, part of your being. Yeah. For Betilel, subconscious in and of itself. Something but along those lines. To be clear, Bet Shemai's leniency is on Yom Tov. So, uh, right. So, I think that Bet Shemai is saying, listen, Yom Tov is going to be more lean than Shabbat. I disagree. Certainly, the Gemara. No, 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 but Morris. But Mars, the Gemara told us that is how it works. But Nathan Nathan just says, all right, but tell me why. You can't just say, heke. I mean, if this is a legal concept. Understood, but if the rabbis have a legal concept known as mukseh, if it exists, and Bet Shammai admits that it exists, so why shouldn't it apply by Yom Tov? Because we are willing to be more lenient? Since they have the right to make Muzer, they have the right to make Yom Tov more Mutar. rigid. Uh, 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 over here, more lenient. Yeah, all right. Could be. Says the Gemara, V'niflog betarvayu tarnigolet ha'omedet legadel be'etzim, hi u'besata betshamay omrim te'achel betilel omrim lo te'achel. Says the Gemara, even if you want to showcase the opinion which is lenient, 
in our context, the opinion seemingly of Bet Shammai, um, that the Betza is permitted, you could have showcased both at once by saying, not only is the chicken permitted, but the Betza as well is, is permitted. In other words, if the purpose is to tell you, well, even the Betza is permitted according to Bet Shammai, you could have done that, but you could just elongate your sentence, say that both the chicken and the egg are permitted, yeah. and by so doing, you would have made everything clear. You would have given everyone equal opportunity. So, so Jesse says, by saying the egg specifically, you strengthen the point, Bet Shammai. Oh, we, we still care about Bet you'll diminish, You'll diminish a little bit in terms of the sting, but ultimately speaking on the Bet and you'll say, not only is the egg pro- prohibited, but even the chicken's prohibited. So you'd be able to, and the Gemara suggests, that's true as well. Point, uh, now, now don't, don't imagine the name of this Masechet has ever been easy for our people. Uh, but that being the case, the Gemara then um, is, is asking a question that in its mind is sufficient enough to take us in a different direction. The fact that ultimately speaking, we're suggesting the dispute between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel hinges upon the question of Muqseh Nolad, and the Mishnah then isn't sharp enough in its wording that it should have worded it more specifically. Both the Tarnegolet and the Betzah are either permitted or, or, or permitted on the uh, permitted or prohibited on the holiday. That in and of itself tells the Gemara maybe there's another interpretation. The the next interpretation, very briefly, just introducing it, um, goes like this. Let's just read um, uh, the three lines over here. We'll introduce it and, and pause here. First and foremost, we're turning directions all together with regards to context. We're no longer suggesting that our Mishnah was referring to a situation of the Tarnigolet, the uh, chicken, which is purpose to give birth to eggs. Rather, the mindset was to eat from the Tarnigolet, and an egg comes out. Not a Mukseh situation any longer, as Abi points out. Uchlad the Ifrat, any egg which comes out should not and will not be Mukseh. Ironically, it's going to present for us the Gemara will suggest based on Rabbah with a more severe prohibition, one which is not merely rabbinic but rather biblical. And here's how it goes: He cites a pasuk, and and, and the pasuk which he cites over here in the, in the ensuing lines of the Gemara, it, it goes as it goes like this: It says, "Verabalit um, um, it, it, I'm skipping some details per, on purpose right now. I just want to read the pasuk to, to conclude with this. Uh, so he cites a pasuk of all places we're turning to is from Parashat Beshalach, where Am Yisrael uh, see the uh, man, which is coming out of the heavens. And the pasuk says, on Friday, a double portion of the man would come down, and they would prepare that which they were going to bring. And we'll have to define exactly how we're making this derasha, but the understanding of those words goes like this. Any item which is going to be used on the holiday, or on Shabbat by extension, had to be according to the Torah, in existence beforehand. It's not so much a mukseh mindset issue, it's more an existence according to the Torah's definition. And therefore, if the betzah was internal in this animal, in, the, in, the, in this chicken, in the following ironic situation, Shabbat, which leads into Yom Tob, 
the assumption is that the egg is incubating inside of the animal the day before. So it means it got prepared, not during the weekday, but rather on Shabbat. Oh, we'll talk about that. Just let me just finish this for, for a moment. So the, the idea then, and we'll come back and, and, and sharpen this next week, goes as follows. The problem specifically is that the item came into existence on a holy day instead of on a weekday. On Shabbat, which leads into Yom Tov, on a Yom Tov, which leads into Shabbat, the birth even before it comes out, I understand your analogy then, is on the holy day, that's a problem. It needs to be prepared on a weekday, even even by God. If it is, then it would be permitted, but we make a gezerah, that since you'll sometimes have Shabbat leading into Yom Tov, even when it's hol leading into Yom Tov, it's Asur. All right, we'll come. That we learn from this pasuk.